children of all ages welcome because we are back for season two of the bearded podcast i'm the man with the plan the man you gotta stand jordan Cruz on more and oh my god it is so good to be back football is approaching it's almost the greatest time of the year and i am joined of course by my partner in crime the man to my left the other host of the bearded podcast mr dylan low how was it going my brother good i mean i was excited for this obviously you know it means football's around the corner um I'm more excited that we're in our second season doing this. You know, I've done podcasts yeah. before. <laughs> you know, I've done a lot of things before when it comes to football, but like this is the thing that I've actually if I feel like I've done a good job of keeping consistent. But <laughs> um I'm excited for the season. Um I've had a good summer, but you know, this happens to me every year and I think it's good, you know. I have a nice little summer and then, you know, right towards the end of the summer, last couple of weeks, I'm just like, damn, I'm ready for football. I'm ready to get back into school, you know, get back into the swing of things. And Football is at the forefront of that, of course. So that that's what makes me most excited for this time of year. So um, we have a lot in store this season. You know, we're going to try mm-hmm. to do our best to be on here every single week this time. Um, I know we missed a few weeks last week, but um, we're going to do our best to be here each and every week. And uh, we're going to have a good time, of course. So um, just like when you're playing football, you know, we try not to take ourselves too seriously. We try to just have some fun <laughs> here. So yep. that's the plan this season. You know, it's going to be a good time. Glad to have you back. And uh I get to see you next month for the first time in like eight years. So. Oh yeah, we've got a we got a real fun surprise there as well. Uh, yep. Whenever we are in person for the first time seeing each other since you left Arkansas way back in the day, and um, I'm I'm giddy about it, man. I cannot wait uh, to yeah. come down to the great state of Ohio and uh, watch the Buckeyes absolutely destroy uh, my Arkansas Razorback, not Razorbacks, my Arkansas Red Wolves, yep. <laughs> the Arkansas State Red Wolves. I cannot wait to uh, to go there and witness um a true you know big time saturday football college football fanatic stadium i'm sure oh, yeah. she's gonna be legit so i'm very very excited i'm willing to say that you know and i will stand on this i don't care call me bias i don't care i think you know you get the best game to experience here and i think mm-hmm. you know it'll be a little bit different it'll be it'll still be rowdy for a noon game versus arkansas state don't get me wrong you know it always is here but you know I'll send you some clips and I'll post some clips, you know, on, on all the socials at the Beard of Pod. I'll post a bunch of clips, you know, of the game day scene when Notre Dame comes into town week one. You know, I will show you why I believe this is the best college game day experience. So let's get into it, though. Yeah, let's do it. You know, last time you guys saw us, we were doing our four-hour draft live stream. That was fun as always. We uh, were here through the entire first round. Um, no breaks, only water and hibachi on my side, you know. So it was a really good time uh, running through all that. But the NFL draft has come and gone. Training camp has started. Free agency also come. And it's pretty much done. There's a few players that are still left out there. But we want to talk about those rookies. Rookies that have impressed Rookies that have looked good. Rookies that were taken higher than we thought. Um, Maybe rookies that were dropping farther than we thought. You know, there are a lot of players that I think we need to talk about. I've got three rookies that I'm really excited to watch play this year. They're all on the offensive side of the ball. Um, But first, there's a guy I want to talk about. I think that he has the possibility to win Offensive Rookie of the Year one of the best players that I've seen come out of this draft that can make an impact immediately. It's not a wide receiver, even though there were a lot of those taken. I'm going to go with Brees Hall. He was a guy that the Jets really, really high on. 
And he has basically no competition. You know, you've got Michael Carter, and that's fine. Michael Carter's good. Um, but it's Brees Hall or nobody with the Jets right now. And I love uh, the, I love Zach Wilson just as much as, as the rest of it. You know, guy with Milf Hunter on the back of his jersey. You know, dude's, a, dude's an absolute legend now. But here's He's got that dog in him. He does. He's got that dog in him, man. But here's here's the thing. Here's the thing about uh, about Zach Wilson. I still don't trust him that much as a quarterback. And he's got some good receivers. He's got Elijah Moore. He's got Garrett Wilson. But I think Brees Hall is going to be able to – and Corey Davis. Yep, Corey Davis. But I think Brees Hall is going to be coming in and making the biggest impact on that offense straight away. So I'm really excited to watch Brees Hall. Dylan, what do you think about him? You think he's going to be good for the Jets this season or mm-hmm. – Actually, yeah, and you know, not to spoil anything, but I will be talking about him later on in this video. So, <laughs> um, but in terms of what I think about him, of course, I think he's going to be a beast. And you know, my thing for me, you know, they don't call him Brees the Beast for a reason. So I think that's even his Instagram handle is Brees the Beast. So, and it's not no lie. But uh, <laughs> my thing with him, you know, has been they drafted him, and immediately everybody's like, you know, he's going to be good, and of course. But the thing that really, you know, hooked me in is like really believing in this guy was. You know, in minicamp, without even the pads on, the Jets came out and committed to him as a starter. When they just drafted Michael Carter last year, I think that says a lot about what they think about Brees Hall to already announce him as, you know, the workhorse lead back in that backfield. So, um, like you said, Michael Carter is a good running back. I think, you know, those two are going to work well as a tandem together. Um, I really think, you know, depending on how much of a stride Zach Wilson takes, that could be, you know, what leads this offense. Um, as much as they have, you know, as much as we know they have good receivers, you know, you know, like you said, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. Um, it just depends on how big of a stride Zach Wilson takes, you know, whether or not or where that offense goes in my eyes. So I think they're going to come out and have like a feeling process. And I think Brees Hall and Michael Carter are going to put on a show. And I honestly think it's going to help Zach Wilson because then you're not totally just mm-hmm. relying on a second year quarterback. So, um, you know, I probably I feel like I might have a little bit more confidence in Zach Wilson than you do than you do, but I think we both are optimistic about the guy, regardless. Um, hey, here's so- my thing. I picked I picked Zach Wilson to be offensive player of the year last year, so we saw how that worked out for me. Uh, so I'm just a little bitter about him. Well, so you know, I mean, <laughs> I still like I don't think that was a horrible take. I mean, the quarterbacks in general did not have. You know, the rookie quarterbacks in general did not have a very impressive campaign last year altogether. You know, Mac Jones mm-hmm. was the best one, and he went to the playoffs and got absolutely smoked. So, <laughs> you know, it wasn't a very impressive quarterback class in terms of just their rookie year, at least. But um, we do get to see Trey Lance this year. We get to see the second year Justin Fields. You know, you got to feel for mm-hmm. the guy. We're going to probably talk about the Bears, you know, receivers or the Bears receivers they don't have this year um, <laughs> here in a few, but, and also Trevor Lawrence. So, um, we'll get into those guys at some point, but I, you know, I don't think that was a terrible take by you to pick Zach Wilson last year. You know, I know you definitely weren't the only one that said that. And, uh, I think there were some points where, you know, you saw some, you know, the good confidence you want to see in a quarterback last year. So, um, you know, if he can take those and learn from those mistakes he made last year and build on it this year, you know, I'm confident he can take some strides. So especially with, you know, them getting him two new weapons in Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and CJ Zama for that matter. Yeah, exactly. I completely forgot that Izama was even on that team. I'm going to be completely honest. The Jets have kind of like flown under my radar in terms of what they've been able to do this uh, this offseason. And, um, you know, I, I really feel like they're a team. I feel like a lot of these teams that drafted rookies last year are going to be teams that could take jumps. I think yep. that the only team that really 
uh, in my opinion, is not going to take that big of a jump is going to be the Bears. And that's yeah. not because uh, and that's not because Justin Fields is a bad quarterback. That's not because um, they've got a bad head coach or anything like that, like they did last year with Matt Nagy. What I'm saying is that I think that the Bears didn't do a good enough job putting weapons around Justin Fields to be able to make them um, really a competitor. But I think the Jaguars are definitely going to have a step up, you know, um, amazing coaching hire for them. So, you know, I really think that the Jaguars are going to take a big step up. I think that the Jets can take a step up. And I think that the 49ers are going to be just in the same place that they were last year, which is a playoff team that made it to the NFC championship. So like, here's the thing that I feel like a lot of these teams are going to continue to take steps up and we're going to start to see, these last year rookie quarterbacks who were so highly regarded to become those prospects that we thought they were going to. So right. um, that's just something so, I think is going to happen. I mean, do you have any more often? You have more rookies. I'm assuming you want to talk about, right? Um, I really want to talk about one more rookie that really um, comes to mind. And that is a really interesting prospect because he's not going to be the number one guy on his team, most likely at the beginning of the season. And that is Chris Olave. I think that he has an immediate impact with the New Orleans Saints. Um, you know, Michael Thomas coming back is going to be huge for this offense. It looks like Alvin Kamara also, or Alvin Kamara. I still don't know how to pronounce Kamara. his name correctly. Kamara, there you go. Um, Alvin Kamara, you know, he's probably not going to be suspended this year. His hearing was just delayed again. So it looks like we probably want to have a ruling on him till 2023. So it looks like we'll have Kamara coming out, starting the season, Michael Thomas probably coming back within the first two or three weeks. And you got Chris Olave coming out of the slot. And I'm telling you right now, this guy is going to be a threat for that New Orleans offense. He's the kind of guy that I could really see getting along with Jameis Winston and his playing style. And I really feel like this is going to be a scary offense whenever Chris Olave really gets his feet under him and he becomes um, just that fantastic NFL player that I know and I'm sure you know he could become. Um, somebody's commenting that Chris Olave is the best wide receiver in this draft, draft class. I was just going to get into the fact that <laughs> Jordan, I think, knows he's making me happy by saying Chris Olave. <laughs> With I, when I have Ohio State running through my blood, of course. It's <laughs> so I certainly hope you're right, you know, to the guy who commented that. So, yeah, I, and, and, to, and to go off that, I kind of think it's between two wide receivers to be the best wide receiver in this draft class. Um, and I think it's either going to be him or I think it's going to be Drake London just because of the situation that Drake London was put in. He's immediately going to be that number one guy, him and Kyle Pitts. So I really feel like, you know, down the line, I'm sure Garrett Wilson is probably going to be really good. Go. Olave is still going to be really good. <laughs> Heck, I think like George Pickens could be really good. And I also feel like Traylon Burks from Arkansas could be really good. You know, I feel like all those players could be substantial, really good wide receivers in the draft class, but it would not surprise me whatsoever if Chris Olave was the best in this class. Um, You know, to talk about Chris Olave, are we sure he's going to be in the slot? Because it could be, I'm, I feel like he might be outside. Michael Thomas might be in the slot. Okay, now I don't agree with that, that Drake London gives you Nikhil Harry vibes. That's a little interesting. But I, I actually don't know if Olave is going to be in the though. slot. I see where yeah, he's I could from. see. You know, people get yeah. fascinated with the length and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't for know. Sure. I, think, I think he'll be a good receiver. I, do. I, I think Drake London has um, – he's he's got the length, but he's also a really, really good catcher, and he's a pretty decent route runner for how tall and how lanky he is. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I think going uh, – but what, what in the world was I talking about before then? Um, Chris Olave. Chris Olave. There you go. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be. I, I don't know if he's going to be in the slot. That's just where I'm projecting him to go. He very well could be outside, but I think that he would be the best in the slot, in my opinion, just because of his speed and his route running. But, you know, 
I don't know. I just I saw him too much outside at Ohio State. Regardless, though, I mean, I guess we're going to find out. But anyways, yeah, exactly. what I wanted to say about Chris Olave is I think, you know, I think there's actually a lot more people than I thought there was going to be in, that's, you know, giving Jameis some optimism. You know, I thought mm-hmm. he was going to be a guy that was really going to get slandered a lot. And there are actually, like, I would say Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, and, you know, mainly those two get more slander than um, – Jameis Winston does, which surprises me, especially coming off another ACL tear. But my thing about that is I think it was great for Chris Olave to go to a system with Jameis Winston at quarterback because, you know, as much as we saw Jameis Winston playing it safer than he did in Tampa Bay last season before he got hurt, you know, I still think this guy's not afraid to spread, you know, put the ball downfield. You know, Drew, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's going to Michael volume or excuse me, Michael Thomas's volume is going to go down a little bit now that Drew Brees isn't only able to throw 10 yards at a time. But mm-hmm. At the same time, I think it's just going to be better for the overall offense because now you're going to have tr- you know three good wide receivers truly at your disposal with you know Jarvis Landry, uh, Chris Olave, and Michael Thomas that are all going to be used. It's not just going to mm-hmm. be you know like Drew Brees in his last season looking for Michael Thomas every time he runs a slant route. It's going to be you know yeah. you're going to have Michael Thomas underneath, but you're also going to have to guard you know Jarvis Landry in the middle of the field, and you can have Chris Olave mid or deep or uh, deep in the field as well. So. Um, I think it's just going to help this overall offense. You know, the fact that they drafted Chris Olave, I absolutely love it. And I hope that, you know, our guy in the comments here is correct, that he is the best receiver out of this draft class. That would make me ecstatic <laughs> as an Ohio State fan. But, um, you know, we talked about some offensive rookies, and I got to give, you know, some defensive rookies some love. But mm-hmm. it's also, you know, kind of offensive rookies because it's talking about one specific team that is going to rely on rookies very heavy this year, and that's the Green Bay Packers. You know, mm-hmm. they obviously lost Devontae Adams. That's the most notable thing that happened to them this offseason. But, I think this team could really be even, you know, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I don't know. But let's say these <laughs> rookies perform, not just on the offensive side of the ball, but the defensive side of the ball. You know, they get Jair Alexander back. He's going to be fully healthy. They drafted Quay Walker. They drafted Devontae Wyatt, both in the first round. And, you know, they lose Devontae Adams, but, you know, they still have Alan Lazard. They have Randall Cobb that Aaron Rodgers is very familiar with. And then they go get Christian Watson and Romeo Dubes with, which Christian Watson, you know, he's, he just got injured recently, but heard nothing but good things about Romeo Dubes. He's balling mm-hmm. right now in training camp from what I'm hearing. So um, I think the Packers are very rookie-reliant, which is obviously a scary situation. But, you know, let's not forget who's under center for that team. You know, if anybody's going to lead some rookies to a promising place, you know, even in their first season, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. You know, everybody mm-hmm. wants to, you know, slander him for not making the Super Bowl and not, you know, getting past the 49ers last year, not beating the Bucks the year before. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. As a big Aaron Rodgers fan, I still got to admit that that's reasonable. But at the same time, you know, I still trust this guy. I will always trust this guy until the day he says I'm not lacing up anymore. So the Packers, very rookie reliant, but I think this team could really excel this year. Even with all those players in key positions in their first year, I think this team is going to be ready for anybody this season. Yeah, and and responding to that last comment about how bad Alan Lazard is, here's the thing though. Aaron Rodgers can turn trash into gold. That's that that's the thing about Aaron Rodgers is he can bring a player who's not that great like statistically into prominence the way that he is and how good of a quarterback he is. But, um, you know, I think that there is one more player on the Green Bay offense that we're kind of forgetting about that I'm going to talk about later, actually. Um, but 
Um, going in, I think that the Green Bay Packers definitely have a lot of rookies that need to make their place. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Watson can do whenever he finally gets back out there, like you were talking about. Um, but, you know, um, I think that there are a lot of really great rookies coming out of this draft class. We saw that first round. There were a lot of players picked in the top 10 that we thought were going to go, but there were also a lot of players that weren't picked in the first round that we thought were going to go in the first round. So the draft was awesome, but let's move on from the rookies and start talking about some actual players. Now, something that's happened in the last few weeks, we've been seeing a lot of these wide receivers from the 2019 class get their paydays. We've got DK Metcalf getting his. We got all of these fantastic wide receivers, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, all getting their stuff. And um, you can, oh, I don't, I, I don't think that's true um, necessarily. It's um, that, that's a little bit of a hot take there, uh, drug. But let's see. Um, you know, I, I think we've got all of these guys getting their paychecks, and you know, we're talking about who's going to get the next big paycheck. And Dylan, I'll let you go here first. Who do you think is going to be the next guy to get that paycheck? doesn't have to be a wide receiver necessarily, but um, who do you think is going to be that guy to get the next big payday? You said before we started here that there's really only two options, right? Yeah. So I'm assuming you're just going to pick the one that I'm not picking, and I'm just going to go with, you know, I'm going to be a homer here and let you have the other guy. But <laughs> as a Cowboys fan, you know, it's C.D. Lamb. Mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb, absolutely. So, um you know, it's his first year as a wide receiver one, and really it just – we will get into the Rams later. Somebody's saying that the Rams are going to repeat, but we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I just – I don't know. He's going to be wide receiver one, but there's times in this offense where it's, it looks like Kellen Moore knows how to use CeeDee Lamb, and then there's yeah. times that it just doesn't, you know? So – Maybe him at wide receiver one can really, you know, make Kellen more, you know, fixated on him to really get the ball <laughs> in his hands. I don't think it's necessarily a um, – it's not necessarily about, you know, getting C.D. Lamb the ball down the field or anything like that or, you know, whatever, getting all these receiving yards from, you know, running downfield. It's – you can get the ball in this guy's hand one yard off the off the line of scrimmage, and what he does with it is magical. You know, he can turn a one-yard little pot pass, screen pass <laughs> – into, you know, 40, 50-yard gain on any given play, I think. Um, his rack ability is one of, the, you know, some of the best I've ever seen from anybody coming out of college. So I would like to see that put to use more, um, you know, in this offense. We've seen it a little bit, but, you know, he's not necessarily going to be the best, you know, down-the-field guy, middle-of-the-field guy. I think, seriously, this guy is like a, you know, intermediate-type player, and you get the ball in his hands, and that's where the magic happens, you know. So, um I think it's CeeDee Lamb next. I think, you know, I'm really banking on this guy to succeed this year. I mean, we really don't have an option, you know, don't have a choice, mm-hmm. especially with, you know, our already thin wide receiver room getting even thinner yesterday <laughs> with James Washington going down. So oh, it's a big year for CeeDee. <laughs> I think, you know, I don't know how many, you know, how many wins he's going to contribute to or that's going to contribute to for the Cowboys. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. later as well. But um, I'm banking on CeeDee to have a big year, and I think he absolutely will. Yeah, and um, I, I totally agree that CD is is definitely going to be getting paid very soon. Um, but here comes what I think is going to be the guy who gets the next big paycheck. You know, there are a lot of players like quarterbacks and such, like Lamar Jackson is a very big one, like Drunk was saying, that needs his contract. But, you know, a lot of these players, I think Lamar Jackson is going to get his contract. I'm going to talk about a guy who I'm not sure is going to get his next paycheck today. But he's being overlooked 100%. He is still 
a top five receiver in the 2019 class, I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson. He is a guy that needs to get paid. He is a first-round draft pick. He has done nothing but prove his worth with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Last year especially, he was fantastic with them. You know, he goes down hurt pretty much every game, but he's back up within three minutes. I mean, this guy... He needs to get his contract payment because I truthfully believe that Deontay Johnson is that guy that can be your wide receiver one for the Pittsburgh Steelers, can be that veteran leadership whenever they obviously want to bring in some rookies and obviously want to try to rebuild. I think Deontay Johnson can be that guy. Do I think that he's on the level of DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel getting three-year contracts for close to $80 million? No, I don't necessarily think so. But I think that he's definitely a three- or four-year deal with you know, maybe like 15, like 15 million guaranteed per year, you know, something along the lines of like a 60 million, 55 million guaranteed, you know, I think something like that could be Deontay Johnson. And I think that they are going to get uh, him to be the next paycheck, whether it's with the Steelers or it's with another team. I think Deontay Johnson is definitely going to get the next paycheck whenever it comes to wide receivers. So you didn't say the guy that I think that I thought you were going to say, which really Justin Jefferson. Oh yeah, well, Justin Jefferson, you know, is is another player um, that definitely needs his money, but I don't think that he needs it right now. I don't think he'll be the next player to be paid. You know, I think that he will be maybe next year in the off season. Well, that's uh, what, that's but, what I'm talking about. This is for I think all the receivers that are going to get paid this off season have been paid. So I think I think I, I think Deontay, I think Deontay Johnson, Johnson, Johnson might be someone that gets one, one that like. Could. I think Deontay Johnson might be someone that gets one like, you know, mid-season or something. Yeah. You know, I feel like he could have a great start to the beginning of the season and they extend him at that point. Um, um, but in terms of CD and Justin Jefferson, that I'm talking about oh, next yeah. offseason. So next offseason, Justin – dude, this is – and again, I'm going to talk about Jamar Chase later, but this is going to be Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson at the top of the game in the wide receivers in the NFL for a good amount of time, I believe. Yeah, so. we just had those contracts with Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, and Justin Jefferson's contract that he's going to get next year from the Vikings is going to blow those out of the water. Oh, yeah, it's going to reset it. It's going to reset the market. It's going to be insane. Well, so. I don't know if it'll necessarily reset it. You know, contracts that reset the market are like Christian Kirk, you know? Yeah. So... <laughs> unintentionally like it shouldn't but if they do justin (laughs) jefferson just he's going to be paid as a top guy like he's going to be the top dollar guy so i guess in a way you could say it's going to reset the market but it's just going to reset the market for you know what top guys are going to expect so Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean justin jefferson's getting a massive bag as our guy right here in the comments is saying so yeah absolutely um, him and cd and then deontay johnson i couldn't agree more like those are the three that come to my mind right away when it comes to absolutely but um what do we got next sir Next up, let's talk about, you know, we just talked about Deontay Johnson maybe switching to a different team, maybe getting a different role. Well, let's talk about some players that did that this year, that switched teams, got some bigger roles, or maybe stayed on their same team and got an extended role. Let's talk about those people. Um, I'll start us off here with a player that I'm really excited to watch. He got traded from the team that he was on previously to another team. He didn't have a good season at all last year. He is going to revitalize his career here. He's still a younger guy. I think he could very well be a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL. Um, no, not Amari Cooper. Ooh, I He was low-key fitting into that description, though. I'm not going to lie to he you. He was. He was. Amari Cooper definitely was, and I think that he can make an impact immediately with the Cleveland Browns. I don't have him on this list. I don't know if you have him on yours. But I'm going to go with a player who is not going to be the number one guy on their team. 
I know what you're thinking. What you just said, a guy could be top 15 in the NFL and he's not even the number one guy on their team. I'm going with Allen Robinson. I think that him going to the Rams is going to be fantastic for his career. And I think that he could be quite possibly the best number two that we've seen in the NFL in a long while. I mean, he's coming in. The Rams don't really have anybody else. They, of course, have Reynolds. But Odell Beckham Jr. is not back right well, now. Well, no, they don't anymore. They, he's on the Lions. They have... Van oh, Jefferson, who just got surgery. That's though. right, Van Je- Je- Van Jefferson. That's who I was thinking of. My B, my B. But yeah. um, you know, they they'll have him at their number two. And here's the thing: Cooper Cup is going to get a lot of attention from defenses. Defenses are going to try to double cover him. Defenses are going to try and shadow cover him. Here's the thing, though: people are going to try to do that. And Cooper Cup may have a slightly worse season, but he's still going to get his. But I'm telling you right now, whenever you back off and you've got a guy like Allen Robinson who has proven his worth at the Bears. I think that this is going to be incredible. I think Allen Robinson is going to be blowing expectations out of the water with his bigger role in a different city, in a different team, with a better quarterback throwing in the ball. So I think that he is going to be a huge player for the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I couldn't agree more. I mean, this guy has been, you know, handicapped by, you know, Blake Bortles and uh, Matt Nagy, you know, and Mitch Trubisky <laughs> as a combination. Um, mm-hmm. So – New opportunity and we say, for him. And, and sorry to cut you off, but we say yeah. he was handicapped by Mitch Trubisky, but let's look at what he did with Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback. I mean, Allen Robinson was a fantastic wide receiver with Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback. You know, it's only the last like two or three years really where they had the, the huge controversy with, you know, Nick Foles getting in there and Justin yep. Fields coming in his rookie season. But, you know, Allen Robinson was good with Mitchell Trubisky, and that just shows me what he can do whenever he is put in a good scheme because Sean McVay is going to have a good scheme, guaranteed. I think that this is going to be incredible for his career. Yep, especially in uh, Matt Stafford, the Matt oh, yeah. Stafford effect. Matty I Stafford, think Matt baby. Stafford the type of guy that, <laughs> you know, he was a little bit turnover prone last year, but mm-hmm. it obviously ended up not mattering because Cooper Cup still got his. So, I've, you know, yeah. I believe that he can still make Allen Robinson get his as well. Um, still big Matt Stafford guy. Has your jersey came in yet? My jersey has come in. It is it is in my house in Jonesboro. So in, so I'll actually get it Saturday because I'm going to Jonesboro on Saturday. So I'll get it on Saturday and I'll wear it next week on the podcast. Okay. I'll cool. wear my Matty Stafford jersey on the podcast. I'll do it's, it. Is I it the throwback one? Uh, no, it is the uh, the blue and gold that they wore for the Super Bowl. The white one? Or no, 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 not the one they won for the, or their home won jersey. For the Super Bowl. Their home jersey. They're blue okay. and they're blue right. and gold ones. They, it looks really nice. It's got the little Super Bowl patch on it. Finally came in. I ordered it literally the podcast after the Super Bowl, and it did not come in until right. like a few weeks ago. So that was absurd. But uh, Dylan, what's a player that you look at and you say, hey, you're in a different role. You're in a bigger role. Let's see what happens with you. Um, this is someone that is coming back from injury. But I have a whole conspiracy behind this, okay? this It's Travis <laughs> Etienne, okay? Mm. I think that, you know, he had people close to him telling him last year, look, man, like, because, well, going into last season, like, we didn't really know of an injury that he had. Like, he might have yeah. been, like, banged up going into the draft or something, but I don't think there was anything that was really season-ending. And I forget the surgery specifically that he had that ended his season um, or the injury he had. But I think there were people close to him saying, look, man, you're playing a rough position. Like, you're going to get banged up a lot. So, and you also have Urban Meyer running the squad. And I think they were smart enough to say, look, this is going to be a disaster. Why don't you sit out this season? You know, and 
Urban Meyer was talking about putting him at wide receiver. This guy is not a wide receiver. He might be able to catch the ball out of the backfield, sure, but this guy is not a wide receiver. He is a running not back. Even. You know, <laughs> one of the greatest run- ACC running backs of all time. So he's a running back. Let's be clear. And then Urban Meyer's out here talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, putting him at wide receiver. It's like, what? So, again, I think there were people close to him, whether it was in the team or just people around him that said, look, this is going to be a disaster. Urban's going to be gone. You know, he might not even make it to the end of the season, which he didn't. And mm-hmm. why don't you just worry about getting yourself healthy this season? Because when Urban's gone, you're going to go back to your role as a running back and you're going to be healthy and you're going to boom in your second year. So, Absolutely. And again, to double down on that, all I've heard is nothing but good things about Travis mm-hmm. Etienne. You know, somebody that was – I'm not sure the name, sorry, but – um, you know, I'd love to give him their credit, but I forget the name. Said that Travis Etienne is pretty much consensus, you know, the star of that mm-hmm. team right now, training camp. So good news with him. You know, he's getting a lot of uh, good publicity right now. And then, like I said, he's he avoided a, a disaster last year and possibly hurting himself more. So, um, yeah, Urban Meyer tried to pull a reverse Debo. Well, Urban <laughs> Meyer, more. as much as I hate to say that, uh, you know, I got to. Again, I said this last year when we were slandering him. I have a picture with the guy right there. I'd go get it, but I'll <laughs> I have a picture with the guy right there that I got when I was about 13 years old. Couldn't care less about it. So, <laughs> with that being said, I've got Travis Etienne. Oh yeah, man. Travis Etienne is is so intriguing this year. I think he's going to be fantastic. You know, um, he's a guy that can catch the ball in the backfield. There's a reason Urban Meyer wanted to put him at wide receiver, and that's because he's got great hands. You know, he's got chemistry with Trevor Lawrence already. They won a championship together. So, I mean, I really do feel like he's going to make an impact straight away. Um, I'm going to talk about one more player that I think is going to have a really big role um, because we've got, of course, a couple things that we need to get to by the end of the show. Um, but I'm really interested to see. Actually, I'm going to talk about two. I'm going to talk about them right here because I think they're kind of in a similar boat. One of them got traded and is going to see a bigger role. And one of them stayed with his team. His um, his counterpart got traded and he's going to see a bigger role. One of them is sophomore season Rashad Bateman. I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do with the Ravens. Um, so far, he's looked pretty decent in training camp. He's made a few really standout catches that have uh, gone crazy on NFL Twitter and on NFL TikTok and everywhere. Um, Rashad Bateman, you know, he's a guy that I think could really erupt and have a fantastic sophomore season. I mean, um, whenever you look at that Ravens offense, it's going to be a totally different story than it was last year. You know, no Hollywood Brown. You're going to have J.K. Dobbins back. You're going to have those guys back. But I think that Rashad Bateman is going to be able to be that standout wide receiver that they really need him to be. And he's going to be that number one guy coming out of the receiver group. You know, obviously Mark Andrews is going to be there and he's going to have his couple cents as one of the top tight ends in the NFL. But what I can tell you is that the the receptions are still going to be there. The target share is still going to be there. Lamar Jackson is a fantastic quarterback, and I think that Rashad Bateman is going to be able to really come out and surprise a lot of people on this bigger role. I honestly hope you're right. Like That's all I'm going to say about that because I'm not going to come out here and doubt <laughs> the guy. I'm not going to go out here and overhype the guy because, you know, you know I, I just hope you're right because I'm a big Lamar Jackson guy. I feel like we're going to get into him at some point later on, but – Um, you know, big Lamar Jackson guy. So I certainly hope so because I kind of feel bad for him. You know, he doesn't have the greatest receiver room right now, kind of like Justin Fields, but um, not as bad. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a couple guys, but I'll kind of zoom through them, only elaborate on like one or two of them. But Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple more guys I have. Um, You know, 
I have Kenneth Gainwell. You know, the reason why I put him down is just because mm-hmm. he's getting a, an expanded role. What he does with that, he's shown promise to be a good guy uh, for the Eagles. But the thing with him right now is I've heard that he's been taking more, you know, a lot more RB1 snaps with the first team than Miles Sanders has. So yeah. that's something to note for fantasy, which we will get into in just a minute. But mm-hmm. um, Kenneth Gainwell, I think that's a guy who, you know, he's going to get a big opportunity this year and he could really exceed. Um, Kadarius Tony, you know, a lot of people kind of, you know, question his work ethic, this and that. But, you know, from everything I'm seeing, whether it's, you know, clips of him just mossing dudes in the end zone or just, <laughs> you know, overall, you know, he's just an exciting player that people are cheering a lot, you know, at training camp as well mm-hmm. um, and getting excited for is, you know, again, uh, Kadarius Tony. Um, another guy. Obviously, Tyreek Hill, you know, I didn't write him down, but that's a very good point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, when you add a guy that can take the top off a of defense, that's exactly what you want in today's NFL, you know, even in college Absolutely. football. Um, those are just the guys you look for. And Tyreek Hill is an absolute master at that. He kind of, I think, started that trend, if you want me to be honest with you, of just looking for guys that can take the top off a of defense. Like, if you want me to be honest, I don't think John Ross is getting drafted as high as he did with the Bengals if Tyreek Hill didn't have a breakout rookie season. So, you know, with that being said, um, and yeah, again, if you trust Tua, that's all, that's what it's all about with Tyreek Hill. If you trust Tua or not. And I'm someone who is a lot more optimistic than the common fan, you know, that I've seen at least on like Twitter. So, you know, I saw a clip of him at training camp, you know, people question his arm strength. It's like, where does that narrative come from? I think, I think if, if you're going to question anything about Tua, it's, you know, is he aggressive enough? Will he, yeah. you know, not, can he put the ball downfield? Will he put the ball downfield? Because you go back to Alabama He's not getting drafted where he did without having some impressive throws on tape. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you watch the throw in the national championship when he heaved it to Devontae Smith and won the game. You know, the arm strength is there. I don't know where the question came about that. I've seen way too many people use that as an argument against Tua, but it's like, well, I think it came, I I think it came from, um, you know, last year he, he underthrew quite a lot of, uh, quite a lot of receivers last year. You know, there were a couple clips of him underthrowing Devontae Parker in the two weeks that Parker was back in. And that's fine. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Tua, the, the reason people are so down low on Tua, and I'm not the biggest Tua fan. Like, I'll be the first to admit it. I don't think he's the greatest quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. But here's the here's where that arm strength argument comes in from. It's people that don't watch college football and then want to comment on the NFL. You know, you're looking at these things and you're saying, hey, Tua's got a, an issue with really committing to his receiver. That's his problem. Tua doesn't commit all the time. He's not aggressive enough to commit sometimes. But Tua's still going to come out and he has the arm strength to be able to deliver the football down the field. I mean, we saw that in the NCAA. You know, if you watch college football, you know that Tua is a really great quarterback. And that's where the separation comes, is that sometimes NCAA Twitter and NFL Twitter are not the same space. And there are people that will watch the NFL religiously, but don't even attempt to turn on an NCAA game unless it's the the national championship game. So I think that's where that narrative comes from personally. But Right. And, you know, last thing I wanted to say about that is, you know, I feel like I've, I feel like there's a, you know, just a stigma out there that he got injured at Alabama. So that's mm-hmm. like affecting his throwing in some way. Let's not forget, nothing happened to this guy's like arm or anything like that. No. He injured his <laughs> hip. So, you know, I don't know. I just some t- there's I just feel like I've seen some people, you know, using that again against Tua, just stupid claims. And yeah, again, I'm not trying to make it sound like the guy's going to go win MVP. Now that I say that, it's probably going to look like crap because he's going to go <laughs> win MVP or something. I don't know. But regardless, like 
you know, I'm more optimistic than an average fan is what I'm going to label myself mm-hmm. as. Not that I think he's going to be a top 10 quarterback even. Just I'm more optimistic about him than the average fan. That's what I'll roll with. That's my opinion on Tua Tagovailoa. So um, yeah. just a couple more guys I wanted to talk about. I was talking about Kadarius Tony, then Tua. Jalen Tolbert, you know, even if James Washington hadn't gotten hurt, I'm going to be honest, that James Washington injury, I wasn't really that relying sucks. on him anyways. And we will be getting him back at some point this season, as long as he doesn't get cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I wasn't really relying on him anyways. Someone I was counting on even before the injury happened was Jalen Tolbert. But now mm-hmm. this guy is legitimately going to be our wide receiver too. Yep. So the volume will be there. It absolutely will. At least will. until Gallup so, gets back. But who knows when Gallup's even going to be back. It could be week right, three. Right. Like week he's gonna, three, yeah, so. that's another thing. Michael Gallup probably won't be back. He definitely won't be back week one. It's not looking good. But I'm saying like week five or six, Michael Gallup will be back. Mm. And I'm fine with that. There's no point of rushing him back. There's no point yeah. of it. So, you know, let him get healthy. But give Jalen Tolbert some snaps at wide receiver two. You got CeeDee Lamb on the other side of the field. And someone who, you know, I don't think he's going to be our starting slot receiver by any means because the dude's a running back. But I think we'll see Tony Pollard in a Debo Samuel role this year. I really believe that, Mm -hmm. especially with how thin our wide receiver room is. You know, if somebody doesn't really emerge as someone who can take over in the slot or, um, you know, we need somebody to fill in, I think we could see Tony Pollard lining up on the line of scrimmage more often than not. So um, that'll be interesting. But there's two more guys Mm -hmm. I want to talk about. Um, They are also receivers. One, Russell Gage, the guy nobody is talking about. You know, we were talking about him <laughs> earlier. You thought he was on the Falcons still. I thought he was still on the Falcons. I and, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I feel like a lot of people do think he's still on the Falcons. You know, but this guy, he's on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He, he you know, he's teamed up with Tom Brady now. You know, a lot of people are going to talk about the big name they added and Julio Jones. And that's fine. Reasonably so. Let him sleep on Russell Gage. But they've got Julio. They've got Mike Evans. They've got Chris Godwin coming back from injury. They've got Scotty Miller. But also they have the guy that nobody's talking about, Russell Gage. I think, you know, this guy has shown that he can be a really good receiver. Um, and I think he's going to really excel this year. Like, I really do. You know, you're going to have most of the time defense is focusing, of course, on Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Um, but, you know, who they're not going to be focusing on, at least at the beginning, is Russell Gage. You know, that's a guy who I'm definitely looking for in fantasy football. I'm wondering where he's even going to be ranked in fantasy football. So right now, I um, I actually was looking at rankings yesterday because I peruse the rankings on a regular basis. Um, but Russell Gage is currently sitting in the 17th round. So he's going to so he's one of the last people being drafted if he's being drafted at all. Um, but Russell Gage is Russell Gage is a really interesting one because you know he could definitely be coming out and you know with no Gronkowski, I think we could see a lot more four wide receiver sets being drawn up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year, which could be really interesting because you know as much as I love Kyle Rudolph, he's no he's no Rob Gronkowski, so uh, I think that that could be really interesting because then you're going to have what their fourth best wide receiver chasing um, Russell Gage. I'm uh, their, their fourth best, whether linebackers, maybe safety help over the top. I don't know, but you know, Russell Gage is going to be getting the fourth best on that defense. And that's, that's really tempting, especially if they start to run more four wide receiver spreads. Right. Um, so Russell Gage, that's a guy that, yeah, I'm looking for in fantasy football, even if, you know, he might be an undrafted pickup for me um, if he's still there, but another guy, um, and the last guy I want to talk about in terms of players with, you know, the, well, maybe not a bigger role, but somebody who's going to take a step next year, uh, mm-hmm. I, you could say, is Amonra St. Brown. I think, mm. you know, towards the end of that, <clears throat> towards the end of last season, I think we really saw him become a pro. Like, I really Absolutely. believe that. You know, nobody really pays attention to the Lions, so not a lot of people know that. So um, I think that's someone who, you know, as the Lions get better, he's getting better. So 
Uh, look out for Monter St. Brown. Just wanted to throw his name in there as well um, so I can keep the receipts for later. But You know, um, I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to say this right now because I don't have him written down anywhere because I honestly didn't care to write him down anywhere. I think Jared Goff is going to have a above-average season. I think, he will be, I think he will be either number 15 or 14 in wide receiver or in quarterback rankings by the end of the season. I think Jared Goff is going to have a better year than people think he is because they, they got better. And, you know, TJ Hawkinson is going to have continue to have a good year. DeAndre Swift is going to be healthy. You know, I, I really think that the lions they added could DJ be Clark better. And J-Mo. <laughs> exactly. So I really feel like Jared Goff could have a better season than people are giving him credit for because, you know, last year he was throwing to basically nobody until the end of the season. So, um, I really like the idea of, of Jared Goff this year. I think he's going to be a top 15 by the end of the year. I don't think you should pick him up anywhere if you're doing fantasy, but I do think that he's going to have a better season than people are thinking. I can get behind that. I can't. <laughs> I don't know if I'd bet on it with my own money, but I can get behind that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there, there's one more receiver that I want to talk about that I thought of while you were uh, while you were talking about Mr. Tyree Kill, and that is the guy who took his place at wide receiver in Kansas city. I want to talk about Juju Smith Schuster for a second, because, you know, we've seen Juju and I think that this could go one of two ways. One Juju is going to be one of the best wide receivers in the league with Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball or two. He's going to be terrible and he's going to be shoved down that depth chart at Kansas city. Those are the only two options for me. You know, I don't think that there's a world in which Juju Smith Schuster is a very middle of the line wide receiver because you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's got Travis Kelsey, but other than that, he's got, you know, some decent wide receivers to throw to, you know, someone like Amico Hardman, you know, but I really feel like you look at that depth chart and you see Juju Smith-Schuster and you see this is a guy that could really put on the burners and maybe, maybe be a little bit, maybe three quarters of what Tyreek Hill was for that offense. Mm-hmm. So um, I can, I can get behind that as well. Um, I, and another thing, just in terms of, you know, headlines coming out is Juju is doing good in training camp right now. So, but someone I want to look out for on, uh, without diving too deep into it right now is Sky, Sky Moore. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he has been the most solid, solid rookie in training camp so far out of Mm -hmm. everybody. And that's something I didn't see coming. That's something I absolutely did not see coming. Right, I think, I don't know. I think he went, that's someone who really went a lot later than they should have. You know, I don't even remember what the knock on him was. Maybe, like, he had issues with drops or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, he went way later than he should have. Yeah, well, we know how drops work out in the NFL. Just take a look at Jamar Chase from last year. But let's go ahead and uh, let's get into uh, some fantasy football talk. Now, I do a lot of research on fantasy football. Um, I love looking at this kind of stuff. It really intrigues me. But uh, I'm going to talk about uh, talk about some fantasy football stuff, about some draft approaches here, and what we're calling the fantasy corner, which is also what I'm calling it on TikTok. So, you know, um, also, by the way, if you haven't followed us on TikTok, go follow us on TikTok at the Bearded Pod. Uh, right there under Dylan's name. Anyway, let's go ahead and let's get into some fantasy football talk. I want to talk about what your first round should really look like of your draft. And, you know, obviously I think the first three picks are set in stone every single draft. That is, of course, going to be Jonathan Taylor. Absolutely is probably going to go number one in all of your drafts. If you have the number one overall pick, don't be stupid. Pick Jonathan Taylor. He's the best player for fantasy football this year. He's going to continue to be the best player for fantasy football. And I can guarantee you he's going to go one 
in pretty much all of your leagues, and for good reason, because he is an absolute beast. Then I think you turn your eyes to some wide receivers. I think Cooper Cup is the next one off the board. And I'm going to talk about Cooper Cup in just a few minutes um, whenever we get a little bit later and we talk about some of our uh, preseason awards. But I think that Cooper Cup, you know, he's going to have another fantastic season. He's a great player. Um, and, you know, Cooper Cup, you know, especially if you're playing in a PPR league where you get a full point, if they even catch the ball, Cooper Cup is going to be phenomenal. Um, then I think we got to look at Justin Jefferson. You know, he's a guy that's going to be getting the majority of the touches. We talked about him a little bit last, uh, a little bit, you know, about 10 minutes ago, we talked about Justin Jefferson in terms of people who are going to get paid. And that guy is going to be an absolute stud in fantasy. And then I think for the rest of the round, you're looking for running backs. I think that there are a few running backs that could come off the board in this first round that I completely would not be mad about. You've got people like Austin Eckler who's going to be coming off the board, who I think we both believe is going to be in one of the highest caliber offenses in the NFL in that Los Angeles Charger offense. You know, Austin Eckler has that ability to be a fantastic running back for you in fantasy. You've got guys like Aaron Jones who's going to see up in coverage with Devontae Adams gone. He's going to be able to see uh, a lot more touches. He's going to be able to run the ball a lot more in that Green Bay offense, and he's obviously going to be getting a lot more looks out of the backfield, which is really good too. Um, you know, you've got guys like Alvin Kamara, you know, seeing as how he's probably not going to be getting a suspension. He's going to be coming in week one. He's going to be on fresh legs. He's going to be great. As much as I hate to say it, I think you're going to have to look at Christian McCaffrey. He's a guy that's probably going to go in the top five, you know, Here's the thing about Christian McCaffrey. People are always going to hate on Christian McCaffrey because, hey, he's got an injury problem, you know, and that's obvious. He does. He he gets hurt quite frequently, Christian McCaffrey does. But if he plays, and let's say Christian McCaffrey plays through the full season, he could be the greatest player in fantasy football. And that's just the bottom line because of the amount of volume that he gets out of the backfield uh, and the amount of volume he gets catching the football there's good reason why Christian McCaffrey was the number one overall draft pick for the last four years, even though he was consistently getting hurt. Like it's because this guy is so dang good. And then, you know, rounding out the first round, I think you could see people like Najee Harris get taken in this place. Um, Najee is a really, really great running back. And I've even seen some drafts where people are taking guys um, like Ezekiel Elliott, although I wouldn't take him in the first round if you really just, if you put a gun to my head and said you have to take either uh, Ezekiel Elliott or Mark Andrews in the first round, I would take Mark Andrews over Ezekiel Elliott. But, you know, I feel like the first thing you need to do is make sure and get a running back first or just take the best player on the board. Because, you know, I think my strategy going into any draft is taking a wide receiver in the first round. But if Cooper Cup slips down to me at pick number four, I'm a pick Cooper Cup. You know, take the best player on the board. Take your best running back, take your best bet, and I think that's what you have to do for your first round of fantasy football drafts because, you know, drafts are getting closer. We need to talk about some of this stuff, and I think taking a running back first gives you a huge advantage in fantasy I football. I agree. I did. Uh, that's I won my league last year and finished with two losses last year because mm-hmm. not just with the first pick, but I went heavy on the running backs early, and I mean – I haven't really looked at the rankings. I haven't done any mock drafts yet. I'm actually going to probably dive into that sometime this week, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but last year, my method of winning literally was go heavy on the running backs because I feel like there's not really as much running backs as you think that's really going to be able to you know put up points every single week for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just got to one. You got to well. And another thing is, I went heavy on running backs early, and I also drafted Derrick Henry, who I did not have for yeah. you know after like week six or whenever he got hurt, and I still won. Mm-hmm. So you go heavy on the running backs, especially with how often they get hurt. You know, you even maybe, you know, 
I would go like running back, running back, and like even like consider getting a running back in your flex or getting another running back before you even get your wide receiver one, it, like mm-hmm. to put on the bench just to rotate. Because trust yeah. me, in the long run of the NFL season, with all the injuries that happen, especially the running back position, you want options. And when you're really desperate for a running back and you didn't draft them heavy, like I'm telling you to do, I feel like you end up in a tough spot where you know you're left with just the waiver wire and. You know, there's not that many good out, good running backs out there on the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I have. That's my input for this. You know, I'm not a fantasy expert, not a fantasy football <laughs> doctor like this guy, but that's my two cents on that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's that's really popular with a lot of people in their drafts, you know, going running back heavy, taking running back first two rounds. You know, you want to get two of those top 10 guys if you're in a 10-person draft. Like, you know, for example, I did a fantasy draft earlier, and I was able to get both um, – Najee Harris and who's the other guy that I that I picked up there? Um, I'd have to look, but I got two top ten running backs uh, and DeAndre Swift. I got two top ten running backs right there with with those two guys, and I was picking from pick number one, number ten. So I was able to get both of those guys, and I think that that was really big. You know, there are some really good options, and, and going with two running backs back to back is definitely a good idea. But I want to talk about a strategy that has become super popular. In, in the last few weeks. And Dylan, I want you to tell me what you think about this. So um, in the fantasy football world, there's become an increasingly popular new type of draft strategy, and it is called punt RB2. Um, and, you know, this also goes by a couple different names, maybe anchor RB, something like that. But basically what happens is you take your first Brown pick and you pick one of the top 10 running backs. Like, let's say you've got your first pick. You, you're you picking at number five. Austin Eckler falls to you at number five. You pick him up. You've got Austin Eckler. Then you wait four rounds and try to pick up four wide receivers in the top 25. So let's say you grab him. You grab Tyree Kill. You grab CeeDee Lamb. You grab um, maybe someone like a, um, I don't know, like a Chris Godwin. And then maybe you pick up Travis Kelsey or you pick up a Kyle Pitts or a Mark Ingram. And you've got those guys four, and then you pick your RB2. Now, this is a lot more volatile, but there's there's also an opportunity for that risk to pay off. Because then you get a really great running back, four incredible wide receivers, and then let's say Brees Hall is available in the fifth round. <coughs> Or let's say someone like a um, David Montgomery is available in the fifth round, a Josh Jacobs, you know, someone who's going to be a starting running back who's maybe not the upper echelon, but still really good available for you and can be your running back too. So that's another strategy that people are really clamoring for right now is the punt RB2 strategy. I've used it once and I had a fantastic draft, maybe one of the best I've ever had. You can go check it out on TikTok at the Bearded Pod. Uh, But I'm really a big fan of the best, uh, of the punt running back too. And I think that it could be catching a lot of steam. Dylan, are, are, is that something that you would feel comfortable with as a drafting strategy? Or do you feel more comfortable just, you know, going the traditional taking two running backs back to back at the beginning of the draft and then filling out your wide receiver spots? I'm going to have to lean towards still the running back. I just, again, like, I don't know. My logic just works too well in my head and it's going to have to like not mm-hmm. work for me to like think otherwise, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, last year was the first year I really did that. So it's like, you know, I'm going to stick with that again. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not going to win me at every year. I get it. But, you know, I just I think it's so solid because it's just again, I think people overestimate how many really good running backs there are that will consistently. And that's my key word here is consistently put up for you every week. You know, there's some that are here yeah. and there, you know, very hot and cold. But, you know, there's not there's literally a handful that are consistent at putting up numbers and staying healthy. Yeah. 
you know, I think there are some guys that you could pick up in those later rounds, but I completely agree with you. I think that, you know, I've done a, I've done a couple punt RB2 mock drafts and they've worked out pretty well. But at the end of the day, man, it's just, it's a totally different ball game whenever you come out of the draft and you've got Austin Eckler and uh, freaking Ezekiel Elliott coming out as your RB1 and 2 and you feel a lot more comfortable after you've taken two top wide receivers. And, you know, you were talking about uh, or two top running backs and you talk about running backs being the most volatile position in um in the nfl and that's the truth so being able to take those two top guys makes it so that if your top guy goes out for a few weeks you've still got another fantastic running back to back him up so um i really like what you added there for the punt rb2 but that's gonna do it for the fantasy corner so let's jump into our pre-season awards We've got, we're going to be covering all of the major awards. We got MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie, Defensive Rookie, uh, Comeback Player of the Year, all in the running here with our preseason awards. I figure we'll start at Comeback Player of the Year and work our way up to MVP, if that sounds good to you, Dylan. Does that sound good? Just working yep. our way up from the bottom to the top. So let's lead go off. I just spent, uh, I okay, let's do it. I was going to let you lead the way, but I'll lead the way with my Comeback Player of the Year. And I'm going to go with the player that I think didn't get to play last year, showed flashes of being a great running back one in his rookie season. I'm going to go with the man, the myth, the legend, J.K. Dobbins. I think that he is definitely in the running for comeback player of the year. Um, I think there are a couple players that we could put in this spot as well. I think Cam Akers is also another one that could be getting a lot of attention for this award. But my dark horse and someone that I honestly think has just as good of odds to win it as J.K. Dobbins, but people are overlooking him, is a guy that could come in and get them uh, get a ton of targets, a ton of receptions for the Green Bay Packers tight end. Bob Tunyon, baby. I think that he could really surprise a lot of people this season. He was fantastic after he got changed to tight end uh, two seasons ago. Last year, he was out pretty much the whole season with an injury. But this year, he's going to be healthy. Aaron Rodgers is going to need to throw the ball to somebody. And I truthfully think it could be big Bob Tunyon in the middle of the field, splitting those zones. I think that it really could be him. And he's going to surprise a lot of people, I think, this year. Um. I can get behind those. Bob Tanyan definitely was not even in my top ten, but I kind of like it as a dark. Horse. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's what I'm saying. This is this is how I'm this is how I'm communicating, my friends. Right. Uh, <laughs> but my comeback player of the year, you know, I'm going with Michael Thomas. I think the mm. disrespect for Michael Thomas is absolutely insane, and you know, credit to PFF for this. He gets called Slant Boy. That's just his thing on the internet. Is oh, mm-hmm. Slant Boy, Slant Boy, Slant Boy. Guess what? The year that he won Offensive Player of the Year, you know, broke the record for receptions in a season. You take away the slant routes, and again, shout out to PFF for this. They did a study or whatever, found these statistics. You take away the slant routes, he still led the league in receptions and receiving yards, mm-hmm. even without the slant routes. So, you know, I've had enough about, you know, just about enough of that talk. It's just trolling at this point. But, um, you know, he's coming back from injury. He really hasn't played football in two whole years pretty much, so – um, you know, I think he's going to come back. People have forgot about this guy. And we talked about this earlier, but them getting Jarvis Landry and getting Chris Olave is going <laughs> to, excuse me, is going to open it up even more for him in that offense. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just going to be, they're not going to have to rely on Michael Thomas. It's kind of just, just going to kind of be when, you know, he gets open and he does that often he's getting the football. So, yeah. um, 
I'm going Michael Thomas on that, and I'm I'm really confident in that one. I wouldn't, you know, I don't know how much money I'd put on it because you know this award. There's a lot of people coming back from injury, but mm-hmm. you know, I think he comes back and he is dominant again. Absolutely, and you know, I and think yeah, he, that he's already cut you off. Your dad says he runs a slant so well. That's my thing. Let's you know, even if I didn't share that statistic, and you know, all he really did was run slant routes. Guess what? This is what I say to that. You know, if I'm the opposing, you know, if I'm a coach for Michael Thomas, I'm just saying they can't guard it, so run it. You know, yeah. <laughs> guard it, and they'll stop running them. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's might not be the most exciting thing ever, but it works. You know, this that's the whole you know Patriot way with Tom Brady for twenty years. You know, mm-hmm. not the most exciting football you'll ever watch, but um, you know it worked obviously. Mm-hmm. So absolutely continue though. Sorry. Yeah, no, um, I really, really like that pickup. My Michael Thomas is going to be a fantastic player. And, you know, um, I, I think that he is going to surprise a lot of people. I, ju- I try to stay away from the really, like, you know, like common answers for my comeback player of the year. But but I think that Michael Thomas, if you really want to look at it, I think that Michael Thomas and Derrick Henry are probably up in that upper echelon for players to win comeback player of the year. Because And, of course, you know, i got to defend my Ohio State guys. So Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, it's just that, that's how it that's goes. That's how it goes. I understand yeah, I understand that. You got the Ohio State shirt on. You know, that, that, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Anyway, let's move on here. Let's talk about some rookies. Uh, so, Dylan, I'll let you go first here. Who is your defensive rookie of the year? This, I don't even know why, but this was like the hardest one to yeah. think about because it's like, I don't know how many guys are really going to come out and be great right away. Like, I feel like there's a lot of guys that are going to develop and be great, but like, in terms of just being great right away, you know, it came down to like Aiden Hutchinson, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, Derek Stingley, those guys that were drafted in the top 10, Sauce Gardner. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be somebody that we're not expecting. Maybe like a Devontae Wyatt, like maybe Jordan Davis, Quay mm. uh, Walker with the Packers as well. So I don't know. But my pick for Defensive Player of the Year is I'm going with the safe option, I guess you could call it, and Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people like Trayvon Walker over him. And, well, I don't really know if I understand that yet. I guess you know, I I'll have to be proven wrong about that. <laughs> but I think, I think Aiden Hutchinson was one of the most pro-ready prospects in this whole entire class, offense and defense. So oh, yeah. I think that's a safe pick to go with Aiden Hutchinson. I'm just going to roll with him there. Keep yeah, it you know, I'm, I, ke- I'm keeping it vanilla this year. You know, I find hot take culture pretty toxic. So <laughs> it's not that I was necessarily participating in hot take culture last year, just I don't know. I was kind of reaching beyond my boundaries. I'm keeping it a little bit more vanilla this year. You know, I'm playing hey, a, a lot more often, a lot more often. I, I have you I, to be the guy that goes for the dark horse candidates. So, and you want a dark horse? Let's take it. I'm going Sauce Garner as uh, my uh, defensive player of the year. I think that he's a guy that could come in and immediately make an impact. He's going to be one of the best players on the defense. That's just plain and simple. Um, and I think that he's going to really make a, a huge impact. You know, we were watching, um, I, you shared the clip of, um, Aiden Hutchison and Pene Sewell. And that was a heck of a trench battle. And, you know, I, I really love watching that kind of stuff. And I think that my defensive player of the year is going to be sauce Gardner. Even still, I think Aiden Hutchison is definitely in there. Um, you know, I think, um, <laughs> Did Aiden, I see that. Know, I see that. <laughs> his dad's asking, "Did Aiden Hutch, picking Agent Hutchinson hurt me?" Uh, I was going to mention that. You know, how dare I pick a Wolverine for anything? But you know, <laughs> when they get to, you know, I still have a disdain for him. And okay, here's my thing. Without getting too deep into this, with Aiden Hutchinson, when people get to the NFL out of Michigan, I seriously like I, I almost 
completely drop the, you know, stigma against him. I do. Like, I, I hold it against him kind of as a joke, but I really don't care that much. Aiden Hutchinson is a little bit different because, you know, this past season when they were at the Heisman ceremony, he was taking some real digs at C.J. Stroud. So I'm not going to forget that, but I'm going to let C.J. Stroud, <laughs> you know, do the talking for me yeah. So um, this season. But I usually drop that stigma, as you can see with this guy right here, one of my favorite players of all time, Charles Woodson. Absolutely. So, And that guy was a Wolverine to the fullest extent. So <laughs> I kind of dropped the stigma, but yeah – I don't know. I was going to mention it, but I already made my Ohio State comments for the day. So, but yeah, hurt me a little bit, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah. So my defensive rookie of the year, I am going to go with Sauce Gardner. Although I would not be surprised at all if Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau won. I think both of those guys are just absolutely fantastic. Um, and you know, a commonality there is that both of those guys beat Ohio State. So that's interesting to take a look at. Anyway, let's move on to offensive rookie uh, of uh, uh, the. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau did not play, so he did not technically. <laughs> I'm just enough, giving enough, you enough. Right. I've anyway, had enough. Anyway, anyway, let's move on to offensive rookie of the year. Um, <laughs> amen, bro. I'm getting lost in the sauce. Um, but let's move on to offensive rookie of the year. I think there are a lot of guys that can immediately come in and make a huge splash. But I'm gonna go ahead and take a rookie that I talked about a little bit earlier, and I'm gonna take. Chris Olave. I'm going to take him as the offensive rookie of the year with the New Orleans Saints. You look at uh, Michael Thomas, and Michael Thomas is going to be drawing uh, cornerback one. You know, you look at Jarvis Landry, he could be drawing quarterback uh, cornerback two. And where does that leave you? But with Chris Olave. And he's going to be getting a ton of snaps for the Saints. He's going to see a ton of volume. He's going to be against their third best defender. I think Chris Olave is going to have an incredible rookie season and finish with offensive rookie of the year continuing on with a wide receiver winning offensive rookie of the year for the second year in a row so i hope you're right um i sincerely do so <laughs> um my offensive rookie of the year we talked about him earlier and i kind of elaborated on it earlier as well um and that is Brees hall like i said i think this guy's already you know before training camp even started it was like in mini camp when they announced that he's going to be the lead back they see mm -hmm. something in him that, you know, some other fans see as well, such as myself, and I think it's going to come to fruition this year. So give me Brees Hall. Amen. I love that pick, man. Brees Hall is going to be fantastic. We talked about him earlier, so we won't go too far in depth with him. But now we get to the big three. Now I have um, all of these with dark horses as well, with players that I think – could go above and beyond and maybe take them off their stepping stone. But let's go defensive player of the year first. I'm going to go with the safe option. I'm going to go with last year's defensive player of the year, and I'm going to go with TJ Watt. I think that he has a definitive uh, – I think he definitely has the ability to come in and, um, and and get just as many sacks as he did last year. He missed some games too. So so that's right. saying a lot. You know, he could even do better than he did last year. He's still the best guy on that defense, and, and he's going to be that leader, and I think that he could definitely come in and win Defensive Player of the Year. But I've got a feeling by the smirk on your damn face that my dark horse is the same as your pick. So go ahead and tell me who your pick is here for Defensive Player of the Year. Who do you think it is? I'm going with Micah Parsons. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Give me Micah Parsons to win Defensive Player of the Year. Is there any sort of bias in that? <clears throat> I'll leave that up to the fans. 
I'll leave that up to the, <laughs> up to the audience. I'll leave that up to you if there's any bias as a part of that answer. But no, heck no. He's I good. have good reasons <laughs> though as well. You know what mm-hmm. we saw last season with a first team All Pro rookie. He's only going to get better. He's yeah. only going to get better. And you know he has some good, you know, really good guys to compete against with you know Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, etc. But I'm confident in this guy. He's a pro's pro. Mm-hmm. So give me Micah Parsons there. Yeah, so, you know, my dark horse is the same as your pick, so maybe it's not as much of a dark horse after all. But I still think, you know, uh, the reason why I put him at dark horse is because I think there are still three or four players that that rank – in most people's lists above him, you know, I think Aaron Donald still ranks above him. Um, oh yeah, how can I, I think that mentioning Aaron Donald, I'm ha- Jesus, I have to mention Aaron Donald. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I think Miles Garrett, I think Chase Young. Um, but here's the thing, man, I think Micah Parsons could still come in and and really make an impact, and I think that that's why he's my dark horse. I can see why he is your player, but yeah, um, I think that there are still three or four players that I would personally rank above him um, in terms of if we were doing like a tier list ranking. But um, let's go ahead. Let's jump into offensive player of the year, Dylan. Go ahead, tell me who your pick and maybe even your dark horse is for offensive player of the year. I didn't come up with a dark horse, but. You know, I'm just sticking to my guns, but um, it's another second-year player, and, (laughs) you know, maybe my take about him won't be as hot of a take after this year, especially if he wins this award, and that's Jamar Chase, and that take I'm talking about is this guy is the best receiver in the NFL. I don't care. You know, I understand it was just one season. His stats stats were really, really good, but they weren't, like, best receiver in the league stats. I get it, but, Mm -hmm. you know – to build on what he did last year, just like Micah Parsons, this guy is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Above Justin Jefferson, I take him over Devontae Adams right now. And uh, and that's not a discredit to the other guys at all. That's not a slight to them. That's just, you know, how good um, – that's just how good I think Jamar Chase is. And so, yeah, I think he's going to win Offensive Player of the Year. I think he's going to have an incredible year, and he's only going to build on, you know, the great season he had last year, especially <laughs> with Joe Burrow. But um, – your dad's saying dark horse Justin Herbert. He'll get brought up in just a minute. So yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm going to talk about my offensive player of the year. I also have a dark horse for this, and it's a really big dark horse. Um, but um, I'm going to go offensive player of the year, and I'm going to go with another repeat. And here's why. Another what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go with another repeat. And here's oh. why. My pick is Cooper Cup. If you look at Cooper Cup last year, and you take away. 700 yards, 25 receptions, 30 targets. He's still the best receiver in the NFL last year. Like, I don't think we can comprehend how good his season was last year. And he's not. He's not going to have another season like he did last year. That is a guarantee. I will bet my entire, uh, what, triple crown? Not another triple crown is what you're saying. No, I, I don't think so. But here's the thing. He could go down by 700 receiving yards, 700. And he would still be the best receiver statistically in the NFL. And I think that we could see something like that happen. And I think he could fall by 700, 800 yards. And he's still going to put up an incredible number of receptions, an incredible number of touchdowns because Matthew Stafford trusts this guy with his life. (laughs) So I'm going with Cooper Cup as the offensive player of the year, repeating again, uh, kind of a little bit of a safe option, but I'm going to tell you right now, my dark horse is crazy. Are you ready for this? My dark horse is a second-year player, 
And you might be thinking, ooh, Jamar Chase. Someone in that region. No, sir. I'm going Dark Horse Najee Harris, baby. I think that this guy is a complete dark horse. You know, he's not even looked at in the top 15 for Offensive Player of the Year. Top 20 for Offensive Player of the Year. But I'm telling you, this guy is going to have the biggest role in the NFL. He's going to be catching balls out of the backfield. He's going to be running the football. He's going to be commanding that offensive side of the football because you look at their quarterback situation. I don't trust Mitchell Trubisky. I don't trust Kenny Pickett. And I certainly don't trust Mason Rudolph. So let's look at all three of those quarterbacks and who do they have on that offensive end but Najee Harris. He is going to be the workhorse of that offense. He's going to show everybody why he was drafted so high. He's going to show everybody the beast that he was in college. And I think that Najee Harris is the dark horse for offensive player of the year. Whether you want to believe it or not, my dad is looking like an absolute idiot because I'm telling him right now, you're going to be clown whenever he comes off and has probably the third best season for a running back this season. I've been high on Najee since the draft, higher than like, like not, I wouldn't say higher than most people, but like, I'm nothing special here, but like, <laughs> I don't know. There's just, there's still people that don't believe in him. There's still people. Mm-hmm. There are those people out there, of course. So it's just like, I can't wait to silence those people a little bit. I don't, I don't know about offensive rookie of the year this year, but I like where you're coming from just because, yes, this guy is going to command a lot of the volume on that offense, whether it's through running the ball or catching the ball. So, like, and people forget, dude, like, this guy is a beast. Like, he's yeah. a beast. Like, big human being. Like, he's one inch shorter than Derrick Henry. And <laughs> I think the same weight. So, yeah. you know, he's going to be able to take some hits, and he is a beast. I'm just going to say that. So, yeah, I love Najee Harris. I hope you're right again. But Tyler says, can't you know, wait to hear Jordan's terrible takes live when he comes versus Arkansas State. Hey, here's the thing. My, my terrible take at that game is that we might get a field goal. That's my terrible take. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's, let, let's move on to uh, our final award, MVP. Whenever I look at MVP, I think that there are three players that could truthfully come out and win MVP this year. Um, I look at, and they're all quarterbacks because quarterbacks are the only position that wins MVP because of course they are. Um, but whenever I look at the players who I think could win MVP, I look at these three, Patrick Mahomes, cause he's always in there. Justin Herbert and my pick for MVP, Josh Allen. I think that this guy is going to have another incredible season. He's going to build on what he has already. You know, he's continued to get better every single season since his rookie season. People are looking, he doesn't have an arm. What does he do in that offseason? He goes and he gets probably one of the best arms in the entirety of the NFL. He still knows how to run extremely well with his legs. He knows how to spread the uh, spread the field. He's got great wide receivers uh, at his disposal with Sammy Watkins. He's got or not Sammy Watkins, <laughs> just with Stephon Diggs. Good God, why did I say Sammy Watkins? Um, shut up, Tyler. He's not even playing six games. Anyway, um, I still think he's that, mocking Browns fans. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know he is. <laughs> I, I know he is a Bengals fan through and through. But um. You know, I really do feel like Josh Allen is the MVP for next season. You're going to see it. You're going to come to believe. I think that Josh Allen is by far, by far, the MVP for the season. I don't know, dude. So my thing is, you know, I have two. And 
pick one of them as my pick. I don't care. Like I literally <laughs> like I'm as confident in one as I am the other. And it's Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson. Justin Herbert because he's Justin Herbert and like he was elite with I wouldn't say a bad squad. Like they didn't have a bad team. They were almost in the playoffs if it wasn't for like, you know, whatever happened at the end of the Raiders Chargers game. But mm-hmm. You know, the squad's even better, and he's going to be even better in year three. So I think year three, Justin Herbert is going to be scary for the league. I believe that. I don't think that's a hot take at all. I think that's reasonably reasonable to say. I think this guy's a top three quarterback. I think here in about two years, I think he'll be the best quarterback in the NFL, undoubtedly. Um, even better than Mahomes. Anything Mahomes can do, the only th- – so I've always – I've been saying this for a while now, since, you know, the end of – like middle end of last season – Anything Justin Herbert can do, he can go toe-to-toe, or excuse me, Patrick Mahomes can do, Justin Herbert can match that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think this guy will be the best quarterback in the league you know, very soon, in my opinion. And then when it comes to Lamar Jackson, here's my thing with Lamar. It's like, if he doesn't win it, I think it's just going to be because the receivers are holding him back. But I really don't even think they're terrible. I think it no. could be worse, like we see with Justin Fields. But you look at all these MVPs, you know, a lot, most of the recent MVPs, dude, it's like when you think of that team, you think of that person. You know, you go back to the Chiefs in 2018 when Patrick Mahomes won it. Patrick Mahomes popped off. That's who you thought of when you thought of the Chiefs. You go mm-hmm. back to um, – dude, you can go back to 2012. Vikings. Who would you think of? Adrian Peterson. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Correct. You think of Adrian Peterson. You hardly remember anybody else from that team 10 years down yeah. the line. You look at the Broncos. They had a very decent squad. You know, they had their Vaughn Millers, this and that. But, you know, can you tell me, with aside from Demarius Thomas, who was Peyton Manning throwing to back in 2013 when he won MVP? Absolutely no idea. <laughs> right. Eric Decker, Wes Welker. <laughs> you know, you think of these guys. You know, if Lamar were to win MVP this season, you're going to look back 10 years down the line and be like, who even were his receivers? Like, you know, the average fans are not going to know. It's going to be, yeah. you know, that was Lamar's team that year. So, that's the effect that Lamar Jackson has that can propel mm-hmm. him into the MVP conversation for the second time. For the second yeah. time. So, um, yeah, I'm going Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson. Either or, you know, assign them as my pick, either of them. I don't care which one. That's who I'm rolling with. So, um, yeah, that's that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that they're uh, – I, I I have them in my top three with Josh Allen too. I throw Patrick Mahomes in there just because he's a generational talent. He's a guy you got to have in there every year. I mean, kind of like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, you know. He's in that echelon of players right now. And so I, I threw him in there, but but really my top three are Justin, are, are Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. I'm a huge Justin Herbert fan. The Chargers are my second favorite team. Um, but, yes, I know I say Bengals – it's Bengal, Ben, Ben, Ben. No, he has a know, unique way of saying it. That's true. Oh, does I don't he? Know. I've noticed that. I don't know. No, you. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, that's just I how I've, that, that's always, that's always how I've done it. You know, that's just, that, that's Bengals. just me. You know, Bengals. Let's go Bengals. <laughs> let's go Joe Burrow on the Bengals. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's move on to our, um, are we going to do this uh, as our, as our final, uh, our final segment of the show since we're already at an hour 15. Um, yeah, we'll do the NFC. We'll preview the NFL teams coming up. We still have a whole month before yeah, the season starts. So. Absolutely. Uh, so let's go ahead and let's talk about our Super yeah, Bowl wow, predictions. That's, yeah, that's my reaction too. <laughs> Where is Burrow for MVP? He's he's top fine. five. I yeah, think. I'd put he him. Is. I'd put him top five. I put him maybe. I, I'd maybe put him top seven. Is where I would put him. I put him like seven. Probably. I think Joe Burrow's just super solid. 
Like, yeah. I don't know if he does anything over the top to put like him in the MVP conversation. It's just like, like if he didn't have the personality he has, then like, and you know, the aura about him, like the swag mm-hmm. he has, I guess you could say like, you know, the Joe cool, the Joe Burr, like this and that, like, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know. The hype wouldn't be there as much. I think people would call yeah. him really solid. And that's what I think he is as a pure quarterback. But I think, who he is as a person, just the you know how he presents himself, makes him even better in people's eyes. But yeah, I I love Burrow, but I think that Jamar Chase is the best player on that offense. Just saying, yeah. Personally. Oh yeah, uh, and I think, I think that, knows that too. I think he'll yeah, absolutely. That. And I think that, <laughs> and, and I even think that I would put Joe Burrow just a little bit ahead of Joe Mixon because of the season that Mixon had last year. So you know, I, I think that. Joe Burrow is a really, really solid quarterback, but I don't know if he has that X factor that someone like a Lamar Jackson has. Don't say that. Person. Trust me, dude. You're going to regret that later, bro. I know don't I'm going to regret that. it, but here's the thing. He I has care. the X factor, bro. Come on. I'm I'm saving you. I'm saving you from later on, dude. Like I'm I didn't mean I didn't mean he didn't have an X factor. I don't think you meant I meant, I meant he doesn't have it right now as much as someone like a Justin Herbert or a Lamar Jackson. I didn't mean he doesn't have it whatsoever. I meant that so, he needs to develop it more. Well, my thing, like I'm gonna take I gotta take you up on this, dude. Because I'm I am i am as a friend, I'm saving you. Like Go I don't want it. Save me. <laughs> Tyler's gonna expose you later. Don't worry about him, dude. He's just that's trolled. fine. No, it's fine. I'm, no, I'm saying for me, like I take it. No, I take it, no, I take it like, in stride. <laughs> I think I don't know. Like <clears throat> he made the Super Bowl. Justin Herbert hasn't even made the playoffs yet. Yeah, for sure. Do I think Justin Herbert's a better quarterback? Yes. But I think I guess what I need to ask you, this is what I need to ask you. What do you what is the X factor to you? What is that? You know, in my opinion, I think I think the X factor is being able to command more than one thing at a time. You know, you look at guys like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. They have fantastic throwing arms, and they also have the ability to make things go with their legs. You know, they have the ability to also break off for 20, 30-yard runs, and nobody will notice. You know, so I think, I think in my opinion, what the X factor is, is being able, it's not a specific one thing that you do incredibly well i think it's the ability to do multiple things incredibly well and i think that joe burrow needs to develop to have another thing that he can do extremely well because right now he can throw incredible he's incredibly accurate but i think that if he learns how to maybe get some semblance of a rushing game like somebody um sorry the um, I think that Joe Burrow, if he can be able to get the legs under him like Josh Allen was able to get under him, or get the legs under him like even somebody like Orion Tannehill was able to get under him late in his career, you know, I think that that would push him to the next upper echelon, being able to escape the pocket because right now his offensive line is not that fantastic. But what I can tell you is that if he had the ability to scramble like some of those upper echelon quarterbacks, I think that it would put him in a whole nother division and in in a place by himself. So yours, <coughs> excuse me, you're saying in order for and it's okay, like it's your opinion. <clears throat> yeah, you're just saying like for them to be an X factor quarterback in your eyes, like they need to be multi dimensional. Yes, that's all you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. So basically, I don't know. I guess what it comes down to is we have two different versions of X Factor. But my thing with Joe Burrow 
yeah, he might not scamper for that many yards at a time, but one, one, his knee literally got destroyed last year. Yeah, for sure. And then my thing is, like, take away, like, running after the line of scrimmage. His behind-the-line-of-scrimmage work, I think, is the best mm-hmm. in the NFL. Like, in terms of just having eyes in the back of your head and avoiding sacks, like, dude, you can compare him to, like, Patrick Mahomes with that. Like, I don't know, dude. Like, he, dude, this guy, I, dude, we saw this last year, bro. He would be standing in the pocket, and somebody is running full head of steam at, the, at his back, and he just knew they were coming. And he just moves. It's like, it is magic. That is... That is total magic to me. And to me, to make a comparison would be Chris Paul in the NBA. Just without even looking, knows what's happening on the court. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I think that's <coughs> excuse me. I think that's the extent it goes for Joe Burrow. Like this guy knows the field without seeing the field, if that makes sense. Like he knows the pocket without seeing everything around him. He doesn't nobody has 360 vision. So you just have to have that awareness. And his awareness. I don't know, dude. That's up there, bro. I think that makes him an X factor for me. I agree with the multidimensional I mean, thing. I just, I think his other dimension, aside from him being very good in the passing game, is his pocket awareness because that extends plays. And that's, I'm going to be honest, if it wasn't for him being so good at that, that team would not have made the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. And look, I'm not saying that he's not a good quarterback. That's not what I'm saying at all because I think he's definitely top 10, probably top five quarterback in the NFL. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just arguing that for my definition personally of multidimensional for the X factor, it, I haven't seen enough to say that he does. I'm not saying that's that's he's not, that is totally I, and I'm not fine. saying he's not an amazing quarterback because he is an amazing quarterback. Just personally, I don't feel like he has that multidimensional facet to his game yet. Okay. Now that's not saying that he couldn't have it this year. That's not saying I couldn't be proven wrong. And I know that this is not a good take. This is a terrible take. I will agree with you, Tyler. I personally agree with that. But here's what I'm saying is even though I know it's a bad take, even though it's a terrible take, I'm going to stand by it. I mean, that's just how it goes. People do that all the time. Fine. I know that's I'm cool. wrong, but I'm standing that's by cool. it. So I, I like that, though, because, like, I don't know. I think it's going to make the season spicier if we have things we have to, like, end up being proven wrong or proven right, you know? I think it's going to make it more yeah, fun. Absolutely. But he said <laughs> the one thing I'm disagreeing with Tyler is yeah. Lamar can't throw. We don't have to I'm, say – we can no, defend, no, no, no. I'm gonna defend say Joe Burrow. Go ahead. Go ahead. I am pissed that that is even still remotely an argument against Lamar Jackson. He can throw the That's freaking what I'm ball. Say. Okay, he can Tyler, throw. He's probably trolling me. I'm not going to yeah. lie. This is probably a jab at me, so we'll throw him up on the screen, give him his attention real quick. So <laughs> Tyler's saying Lamar can't throw. He knows how much I defend Lamar, so that's probably why he brought it up. So, But at the end of the day, no, you're wrong. You're absolutely <laughs> wrong. That's all I got to say about that. And we can defend – I can defend Joe Burrow – without slandering Lamar Jackson, all right? Yeah. Lamar is not in this conversation. So if that man needs to pay you rent for, you know, living <laughs> in your head, then I'll DM him and make him do so. But other than that, we can defend Joe Burrow without slandering Lamar Jackson. Leave Lamar out of this because he's winning MVP this season. <laughs> anyway, anyways, let's move We got to jump into our uh, yeah. Super Bowl <laughs> we, pick. Yeah, let's talk about our Super Bowl picks real quick. Um, we've got an AFC winner, an NFC winner, obviously, and then our Super Bowl picks. Um, 
I'm going to go with my MVP winning the AFC. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills winning the AFC and going to the Super Bowl this year. I think they have a phenomenal team, and I think that if they're going to do it, it's going to be this year or next year because you've got you've got guys like Joe Burrow, like Justin Herbert, all climbing up the ranks uh, in the AFC. So um, I feel like the Bills are definitely that was two years ago. That was not so. my last MVP pick, Baker Mayfield. And no, last MVP was not back, only that. That Baker MVP Mayfield pick was not a bad pick. It wasn't. I, he was I an MVP finalist that year, that. but he was playing really good that year. He was. At the, in the second half of the year, at least. Uh-huh. And your pick last year was Dak, right? And Dak still had an MVP did caliber I pick Dak season. Last year? I think you did. I'm pretty sure yeah, you Yeah, I did because he was year. coming off a crate. He was on pace for like 6,000 yards before he got yeah. hurt the season before. So, yeah. again, a reasonable pick. Yeah, it absolutely. It doesn't pan out like it should, but then again, like, you know, I'll admit that. But those were not terrible picks. I don't care. As much as it <laughs> said, you know. As bad as it looks now to say Baker Mayfield was at one time going to win MVP in my eyes, yeah, it looks bad now. But at the time, I will stand by those picks. I'm not ashamed of either of those picks. So, yeah. anyway, sorry to cut you off. No, no, that, that that's perfectly fine. I think the Bills are going to go in. I think they're going to win. My MVP pick, Josh Allen, um, is going to go into the Super Bowl for the AFC. They're going to win that matchup against whoever it could be. Um, you know, I truthfully think there are a number of teams that it could be in the AFC championship with them. I think the Ravens could be a team. I think that the Bengals or whatever the Bengals. heck their name is, the Bengals could be in that spot too. Um, we got to make that a shirt, I, dude. <laughs> if, we start, if we ever start rolling off merch, we got to do like Bengals. Like that would be gangster. Anyway, dude, I can have Tyler, or I'll wear it to like a Bengals game that I go to, and people will, like second take do like a second look and just be like, "Uh, your shirt's spelled wrong." Like, I know. <laughs> Tyler, dude, that I said the same thing. I said the dog. I was talking to Dylan before. I was like, I really want to say Cowboys win the NFC because, but there was a dog that was shooting basketball on TikTok that said the Super Bowl is going to be Cowboys Bills. So I want to be different. I was talking. I was talking about Somebody send that to me on TikTok. Here, I'll send it to you. Uh, I'll send it to you once we get done. But it's. Right. <laughs> I, I was saying the same thing, but I think the Bills absolutely are going to be. Uh, in the Super Bowl this year. I think they're going to beat whoever they are in the AFC. So, um, Dylan, let's go ahead. What do you think uh, is your AFC winner um, going in for um, for the Super Bowl? Um, NFC or AFC? Uh, AFC. I meant to say I meant to say. Okay, well, AFC, I agree with you. Uh, and one thing I want to say about the Bills, it's like, you know, they're going to have their games this year where – it's just going to happen. Josh Allen's just going to revert to Josh Allen his rookie year like mm. he did against the Jaguars this past season. It's going to yeah. happen. But, again, this team will be a problem in the playoffs just like this past season. And yep. I don't think I've said this on the podcast. I might have when the season ended. I'm not sure. I still believe that the Bills were that team. If they were able to go toe-to-toe with yeah. the Chiefs in overtime and, like, get a chance on offense and do, like, a sudden – excuse me – do, like, a sudden death type thing or whatever – Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's what it was, but just a back and forth overtime, like college overtime. I think the Bills were winning yeah. that, and I think the Bills were winning the Super Bowl this past season. I think yeah. they were that team. I firmly believe that. It's just they kind of got hoed by the overtime rules. So yeah, absolutely. Again, I think they make it out this year. As good as the AFC is, I think it's going to be a gauntlet for any AFC team this year to make it. Yeah, out. but I think the Bills find a way to get it done. I think they win their division, um, and then they go on to win the AFC as well, and they make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's sorry. that's definitely one more true. thing. Just one guy I want to give a shout out to before the season starts on the Bills. James Cook. Watch out for James Cook. We've always, me and you both talked about how mm-hmm. the Bills running game is not solid enough. And, you know, now they have 
you know, Devin Singletary to run the ball. They have James Cook to run the ball, who I think James Cook will eventually become RB1. But and they let's not forget they also have Josh Allen to run the ball. So I think the running game is going to change a little bit this year. But uh, I'm going to go with the Bills to make it out of the gauntlet that is the AFC. Yeah, you know, that's that, that's a really good pick. And, you know, I think Devin Singletary also is a guy you want to look out for on that offense. Both of those guys could could both be really, really good in that running game with the Bills. It's something that they needed last year that they didn't have until the end of the season. I think that we could really see them start to get it here next season. Now let's talk about the NFC. I think that there are a few teams that I'm really looking for in the NFC. Um, but I wanted to go Cowboys and I wanted to go with the dark horse. <laughs> what? You said Cowboys? I said I wanted to go with the Cowboys. But you don't think they will? No, no, no. Okay. No, no. I was going to no, say. I said I you're... wanted to. I think we're in the same spot with the Cowboys this year, and we'll talk about that yeah. next week. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to go the Cowboys, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to go with any team from the NFC East. And honestly, I was really tempted to pick a dark horse of the Minnesota Vikings, don't laugh, but I went with the Rams. I went with the Rams, safe bet, winning the NFC again. They keep a lot of their players. They make a lot of really great acquisitions on the offensive end. You get Cam Akers back for a full season. You've still got Daryl Henderson, so um, their defense is still fantastic. So I really like um, the the NFC matchup um, You know, with, with the Rams, and I think they're going to go and go back to the Super Bowl, um, 499. I don't think that's too far fetched, honestly. No, he's trolling like you. He's just messing with you. Um, and and that'll make my Super Bowl the Bills versus the Rams. Um, Dylan, what do you think about the NFC? Who's your favorite team on there? So, um, so you so before I get into my thing, you're really gonna set up the stage here for the uh, first matchup of the year on Thursday night. Because we get yeah. to build Rams, so you think it's going to be Absolutely. a repeat of that game? I think it could be a repeat, and you know that's that's. So I don't, I don't know if that's ever happened in, the, on, yeah. in about a month. Absolutely, let's go. Let's do it. Hey, you know we had we had a Super Bowl matchup uh, or almost Super Bowl matchup uh, between the the what was it the Rams and the Chiefs that one year that they both put up almost yeah. fifty points in the same game. So you know it, it's not too far fetched. And honestly, I believe that that could be the Super Bowl. Truthfully, so um, well that's a fair pick. I don't think they per- personally. I don't think they make it back. But um, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. I just, something tells me that Tom Brady's going to do this damn thing again. Like there's a (laughs) sinking feeling in me. And it's like, I got to ask you this, who, who's beating the Buccaneers in the NFC? Because I will go team by team and tell you why the Buccaneers will beat them. I mean, obviously I'm going to talk. I would say the Rams would probably beat the Buccaneers. Okay. And I would say, you know, that's that's probably the most fair comparison you'll find actually. Like that's probably the best opportunity for the Buccaneers to lose is the Rams but I think that in their division the Saints are better than the Buccaneers I think that that is the case um you know in the regular season maybe what it all what happened in the playoffs last time you know that's true but uh, I think that I think that the Saints I agree with you though I think I said in our record prediction which check out our TikTok it's right here Mm -hmm. um I said in the record predictions they're going to lose some team to some teams that they shouldn't lose to I think Saints being one of them out either one or two losses, but Tyler's asking who's guarding Julio Jones at wide receiver three. I talked exactly. about earlier. And that's who's, guarding, who's guarding Russell Gage at wide receiver four. 
Yeah. You know, they've, uh, and that's just the truth. You know, this, the Buccaneers are really, really good. And I could see them going back to the Super Bowl, but I still think that there are some teams that would get the better of the Buccaneers. You know, I'm never going to bet. Like, here's the thing I don't want to say because I never want to bet against playoff Tom Brady. Nobody ever wants to bet against playoff Tom Brady. But I think that there are some teams in the NFC that could legitimately give them a run for their money. And um, it's not going to be easy for the Buccaneers to make it out of the NFC. But I mean, honestly, uh, I, I feel like that's a pretty, I feel like that's a pretty fair pick. I personally don't have the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, but I, I could definitely see them making it to either the NFC championship or the, uh, or at least getting out of the wild card. So um, and, I can definitely I see mean, that happening for the Buccaneers. If you want to put it this way, it's like, it's it is Todd Bowles' first year, but yeah, that defense had some questions. But if anybody's going to turn it around on that defense and make him, you know, a stout defense again, I think mm-hmm. it could be Todd Bowles as a head coach. And yeah. another thing, you know, we both had the Bills coming out of the AFC. Who beat the Bills last year in the regular season? Fair Tom point. Brady and the Bucks did. Fair point. So you I know, here's here's I think, here's I don't the think other it's question. I take to say they're here to compete with any team in the league. Of course, you're oh going yeah, to no, have no, Tom no, Brady, but yeah, I think they make it out again. I think, and I. Another thing, I think this is Tom Brady's last year. Oh, for sure. It has to be. And, um, you know, I, I think going back to who's guarding Julio at wide receiver three, the, the biggest problem I have with the Buccaneers is every single one of their wide receivers has some injury problems. You know, every year Mike Evans is out for two or three games. Chris Godwin has gotten hurt. Right. So every single season, Julio has was was out almost the entire year last year. So yeah, you know, again, so, that's a good point. Yeah. I was actually talking about that on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Is yeah, you know, Russell Gage can go from wide receiver four to even wide receiver one on any given week with injuries. Exactly. So and just to have that amount of depth at wide receiver, come on now. And then let's say Julio's healthy for the playoffs, bro. Like, you know, you don't want to see him. Yeah. You don't want to see him. No, you don't. And how many teams make it from the AFC West? That's a really good question. We're going to talk about that probably next week or I'll the pr- next I'll talk week. About a little bit right now. Them. Yeah, we can we can talk about that right now. But um, ultimately, I think that probably three teams are going to make it out of those. And honestly, I am leaning towards the Broncos being the team that doesn't make it out of the, out of that same. Yeah, I'm I'm really I'm I'm leaning towards that. And I know that's a hot take. I know that's probably another terrible take. But what I'm saying, man, I just. I don't know. I, there's a lot of question marks about that team, especially losing Patrick um, yesterday. Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick. That's a big loss. You know, that is that is a big loss. And, you know, the I, I think Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, you know, they're going to get their dues. But I also have a lot of questions about Russell Wilson. You know, Russell Wilson is one of those guys that comes out the beginning of the season and he plays like an MVP through the first four weeks of the regular season, first five weeks, maybe goes undefeated. And then he has that sharp decline every single season in the middle to end. And it just scares me because you look at what Russell Wilson was able to do with Tyler Lockett and with DK Metcalf, and he wasn't able to bring those guys anywhere near a Super Bowl. And those two guys are better than Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. So I, I don't have that much confidence in the Denver Broncos, at least as much as what other people are hyping them up to be. So, I mean, the Broncos obviously have a fantastic defense, and that's going to carry them through a lot of their problems. But what I'm saying is, you know, I think that I think the Raiders are getting slept on hardcore. I think the Chiefs, you know, that they, they're the other team that I think could maybe slip out. I think it's between the Broncos and the Chiefs that that could slip out of that playoff race. But I think that I think the Raiders 
are a really, really good team. People aren't looking at them to be a really good team or as good as they are, but I think that they're fantastic. You know, they have incredible offensive capabilities. You've got Hunter Renfro. You've got Devontae Adams. You've got um, uh, Darren Waller. You know, Derek Carr is a really good quarterback. You've got a pass-catching running back in Kenyon Drake. You've got a, 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 a real horse running back in uh, Josh Jacobs. You know, you've got a pretty good defense. You know, you've got a great defensive line. So, I really feel like if there is going to be a team dropping out of the AFC West, it's going to be the Chiefs or the Broncos. Personally, I feel like I know the Broncos is a really, 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 you know, unpopular opinion, but I I truthfully can see the Broncos not being as good as people are making them out to be this year. I think they could be a little disappointing, but I still think they're in that playoff picture. But my thing that I the thing I want to touch on, that's not a bad take at all, but <clears throat> The thing I want to touch on that you said was, you know, you talked about, of course, Russell Wilson's second half of the season decline. And I was going to say that narrative, but like it actually happens. Like it is. Yeah, it's not a narrative. It's a thing that happens. Yeah. So, but the thing is, that started when, um, that started when the defense started getting bad. Yeah. I think when Russell Wilson had a defense backing him up, that's when we saw the best of him. And that's when we saw him play Mm -hmm. in two straight Super Bowls when he had a defense backing him up. Do I think the Broncos defense is going to be the Legion of Boom? Not necessarily, but it's not going to be, you know, bottom three in the yeah. league like the Seahawks. No, absolutely not. It's probably going to be it's probably going to be a top 10 defense in the league, maybe even top right. five. So, you know, you get second year of Patrick Sertan. Um, they drafted Nick Benito at the edge. I really like that some, you know, mm-hmm. not a lot of people are talking yeah. about. They have they got Randy Gregory if he can stay healthy. They have Justin mm-hmm. Simmons back there, Kareem Jackson. Um, so I think this team's very solid. I think this is a good defense to really back him up, and I think that's going to yeah. help him avoid that second half of the season decline because I think he just gets fatigued from you know having to go shoot or you know toe to toe, shot for shot with every single team or touchdown for touchdown with yeah. every single team every single week. I think he's you're not, as a quarterback, you're naturally going to decline um, yeah. when that happens. You're going to get fatigued over the uh, course of the season. So if he has a defense to back him up and you know he can take care of some games and you know three quarters or less. I think it's mm-hmm. going to make it easier for him in the second half of the season and then in the long run. I think his team will see the playoffs this year. So yeah. um, even with losing Tim Patrick, because a lot of people forget, you know, it's just going to be – he's their wide receiver three, but he probably wouldn't have even been on the field until they had a – you know, he had to rotate in or they had a four wide receiver package because they have uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy on the outside, and then they're going to have K.J. Mm-hmm. Hamler in the slot. So and yeah. Tim Patrick was, be, was going to be an outside receiver. So mm-hmm. he was going to be rotating in or be in, you know – different packages if they had like a full receiver yeah. package so well, not, i also think it's, the, the, loss, the, but it's not it's not gonna take them out of the playoffs in my eyes yeah for sure and the broncos don't really have that tight end which is why i was thinking they were gonna run a lot of really good uh four receiver we packages because Akuwe Bunam, the guy to ten- he's he's yeah that this year i think it's he a, could he definitely could big if but he could he could that's uh i yeah i i honestly forgot about albert but you know it did I think it's it's really interesting to take a look at the Broncos. I think the only team that, in my opinion, is really guaranteed a playoff spot this year is the Chargers because they got better every single place in that team. Their I defense got the better, Raiders. adding Khalil Mack. Yeah, the Raiders are I'm also a really good team. I throw the them in too. Yeah, you know, and um, you look at that defense; it got completely overhauled, and it got better by a long shot you've got derwin james over the top with safety help you've got jc jackson now you've got khalil mack you've got all of those guys that used to say joey bosa you're what'd you say joey bosa 
Yeah. You know, you've got all those players that you're used to seeing making huge impacts and you've added more. Like, that's the big thing for that Chargers defense, and it's gotten better, and that was obviously their biggest downside last year. And, you know, offense is still going to be absolutely flame. So I think the Chargers and the Raiders, like you were saying, are the two that are guaranteed. I think the Broncos could slip in there, but I think the Chiefs are probably not going to have a bad year, but not going to have a year where they're going to be able to make the playoffs in the AFC because it's going to be crazy to make the playoffs in that division uh, or in that conference this year. So, um, But anyway, getting back to my Super Bowl prediction. <laughs> Next week we're going to get into the NFC. We were going to yeah. do it with that show, but – we're an hour 40 in, so we'll save yeah. that for next week. And <laughs> uh, the following week, we'll get into the AFC. But we have plenty of time. We yeah. still have a month before the season. We just – there's a lot of stuff to talk about prior to a season starting. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I figured I'd give us about four weeks here, three, four or five weeks to really get the podcast going and get into the yeah. season. That way, we're warm when the season starts. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, we're an hour 40 in. You want to ride off into the sunset or what? Yeah, let's write off. Uh, we still didn't pick who we thought were going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, uh, but, let's probably do that. Um, yeah, just as I'm our, going, you know, of course, our preseason pick that will probably change by week one, but we're going to make a pick. Yeah, right now. you know, uh, I'm going to go with the Bills to win the Super Bowl this year. I think that they were the team to beat last year. They did get beat. Um, by some crappy overtime rules. And I think that the Bills are going to be back in that same spot. They brought back a lot of their favorite players, a lot of their players that made a huge impact. So I've got the Bills winning the Super Bowl this year, and I think they're going to be just as hard to beat this year as they were last year. Well, I can't say what I said earlier without making the Bills also my uh, Super Bowl winner. So as of now, we're consensus podcast Bills champions. We were consensus last year too with the Rams winning the Super Bowl and look at what we happened. Were. So maybe we will uh, maybe we will make a repeat with that statement. But ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for the first episode of the second season or however you want to say it of the Bearded Podcast. It was an absolute pleasure to be back and I cannot wait for next year as we break down or not next year good god next week as we break down the nfc teams um that we're ready to see break down all of those be sure to follow us on tiktok at the bearded pod um we're doing stuff every single day pretty much over there fun little videos we're doing record predictions so if you want a more in-depth look at what we're going to talk about next week go back um is you know this is this was a fantastic podcast, Dylan. I love doing this with you every single time we get on. Hour, 40 minutes, some great conversation. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we just uh, adios off the podcast? Uh, me and Tyler, or me and Tyler, big Jason Aldean guys. Jason Aldean will be on the Instagram <laughs> story on my account and the Bearded Pod. So, And actually probably yours because I'm going to tag you in it. Uh, and you Let's can just post it if you want. But Jason Aldean will be on the story, but... Uh, Follow me at the Bearded Pod on everything. You know, Instagram. Mm-hmm. We're almost at 1K. Get us to 1K. I've been grinding on Absolutely. there this offseason. I don't even yeah, have, you've know been how I've gotten that many followers with it being the offseason. But <laughs> uh, we're almost at 1K. I think we're like 20 away right now. And follow me on TikTok. Follow me on Twitter. So get all the content. Get all the updates. Absolutely. Um, and let's chat. So with that being said, you know, glad you guys joined us. Glad everybody joined us. We'll be back next mm-hmm. week. We're going to preview the NFC. And then the week after that, we'll preview the AFC. And then... We'll also probably be mixing in a little bit of college football talk here soon as well because we have officially entered the first month with football and it's the, you know, we'll have football from here on out every single month until March of 2023. Let's go. Hey, and then the XFL starts. Then the XFL starts, you know, if you want to watch some Dwayne Johnson XFL. So (laughs) Uh, I'll probably find something better to do, but yeah, if you want to watch (laughs) it, go ahead and do that. I'll be watching um, the NBA. Have a good day. Anyway. um, With that being said, make sure you guys drop a like down below. Make sure you subscribe. mm -hmm. Make sure you follow all the socials. As I said, go check him out at Crouton Mm -hmm. underscore ASU. 
And uh, with that being said, we will be back here next week. Unsure of the time, but we'll be here. So with that being said, absolutely, we're going to get out of here.